we have taken a break in the David series that we've been in. And for uh, last week and the next couple weeks, we're going to be uh, in a mission series that we're calling Engage. And if you weren't here last week, uh, this morning as well, we have these prayer cards. We're calling them Engage cards on your seats. The idea here is to put this somewhere where you see it all the time. So bathroom mirror, car, dashboard, wherever that might be, your Bible, uh, computer at work. Put it somewhere, and on the back we've got our partners and a couple of prayer requests for each one of them. And so I just want to encourage you to, to really engage in that uh, this week. And the card is going to look a little different the next couple weeks, but I want you to really spend uh, this week praying over these partnerships and asking the Lord, uh, is there something that I'm supposed to be a part of here as well? Cool? And so if you didn't do it at all this week, it's all good. Just pick it up this week. Sound good? And I'm really excited this morning. Danny, come on up, man. Really excited. On the back of the card, uh, by top right, is City Life Near West, Indianapolis. This is Danny Marquez. Put your hands together for Danny Marquez. Hello, everyone. Danny Good morning. is the, the director at uh, City Life on the near west side of Indy. And I just, I can't tell you how much I love this brother, man. He's such a good dude and uh, just loves the Lord, has given his life to serving kids in some of the toughest neighborhoods um, in the city. And it's just, I mean, it's just such an honor for us to partner with you guys, man. Thank so, you. Appreciate um, you, man. Yeah, love you, bro. So he's going to bring the word, and so I'm going to pray for him, and then we'll get into it. Jesus, would you speak through Danny this morning? Fill him with your spirit. Give him words. Lord, your word is living and active. It's sharper than, than any double-edged sword. And so I pray that you would sharpen the word this morning through Danny's mouth. Would you open our ears to hear? And we just uh, commit to obey and trust and go wherever you would lead. So pour out your spirit on Danny right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. How many of you love Justin? Justin is amazing, isn't he? I love that brother. Such a passionate heart for Jesus. And I'm always excited when I get to be able to share uh, with the Eagle Church family. You guys have been such a blessing to the Near West City Life ministry, and we're so glad that we have many of you who are already active in the ministry that are pouring into the life of so many teens on the Near West side of Indy. About four years ago, uh, four years and seven days to be exact, uh, I walked into an office um, of Central Indiana Youth for Christ, and I sat before a lady um, who was quite intimidating. Um, she looked at me with those beady eyes of hers, and she, <laughs> some of you know who I'm talking about, she, she uh, pulls out a rap sheet. And um, if you don't know what a rap sheet is, it's a criminal history um, on my life. She had that rap sheet. And um, you know, I remember one time I printed out my rap sheet. It came out, you know, it came printed out in those papers that you kind of, kind of got to rip off. And so when you stretched them, it was about from the ceiling to the floor. All of the different things that were on that criminal history. And so here goes Allie King. She uh, starts highlighting some of the things that she sees on the criminal history background. And as she's going through it, she's asking me all kinds of questions. So tell me about this and tell me about that. And um, I said, Ali, I cannot tell you a lot about my past because I was probably high out of my mind or drunk out of my mind. But I could tell you about my today 
and I could tell you about where God has taken me. And I walked away from that job with these words that came right from her mouth. Danny, we want to give you a job because your story reflects the kind of change we want to see in the life of young people all across this nation and across the city. And I walked away like, praise the living God, I got a job. You see, for me, I never felt like I could get a job doing the work of ministry like this. There was always a certain degree of insecurity in my heart, primarily because most of my life I had been rejected. In fact, it started off when I was about 18 months. Here I sat in front of a door inside of a project building, and I was abandoned. I was literally left at that doorstep. My mom, she ended up in Norway. Don't ask me how. My dad, he apparently was uh, consumed by drug usage. And so here I found myself at the front of this door, faced with another amazing lady. She came to my life. Her name is Lou Soto, and she brought me into her family. And I grew up in a home that I was loved definitely by my mom and, and you know, my dad and, and that kind of thing. But I never really felt loved, as ironic as that sounds. I, as, I, as I was growing up in that home, I always felt this sense of void, and I couldn't figure out what it was until one day uh, my sister told me, you know that Lucy's not your mom? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'll never forget having the conversation with my adoptive mom and asking her if I was her son. And she came out and was honest. And she said, you're not my son, but I love you as my son. And her words broke me. It broke me because I just knew that there was something wrong with the picture of being inside of my home, but yet not feeling loved the way my other siblings were loved. And so... I grew up in a home that wasn't my own, and so I try to find acceptance elsewhere. So imagine this. I would find myself inside of uh, my, my apartment. It was on the eighth floor, just for some perspective. I lived in a 20-story project building in the Bronx, New York. And every time I would look out of the window, I would see some criminal activity, some kind of criminal activity going on. I, I would literally watch people die in front of me. While walking to school, I was stepping on crack vials. The deficits in my life were incredibly high, and I was just at a state of brokenness. In fact, I was so broken, I thought that I could find acceptance in the streets, but the reality was that I was headed down a road of destruction. And so here I find myself making a whole lot of bad decisions. I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd of people. I found myself making poor choices and so much to the point where I started going on a, a robbery spree. I, I did a lot of drugs in that time. I wasn't thinking straight. And um, I was quite literally an enemy of God. In fact, I didn't want nothing to do with God. Because I felt rejected all my life. What does God have to offer me? So one day I found myself in, in a cell facing 45 years of my life in prison. 
due to the series of bad decisions that I made. And I'll never forget that one day as I was sitting in a cell in Nassau, Nassau County Correctional Facility, I was on my knees for the first time in a long time. I see, my mom, she tried to teach me about Jesus. She brought me to church and all those, you know, cool things. But I never really found that Jesus was inside of me, right? I never really wanted any part of it because what I experienced was often uh, something that confused me, to be honest with you. And so I found myself in the cell struggling, trying to figure out what is going to happen with my life. Again, here I am facing 45 years of my life in prison. I'm on my knees, and finally, for the first time in a long time, I'm crying out, God, I'm sorry, God. God, I'm sorry. And I remember as I was on my knees, I remember the Holy Spirit coming. I, I, I didn't know it, what was happening then, but I know now that it was the Holy Spirit that, was, that came into that cell and started just ministering to my heart. This wicked soul, this enemy of God. And here I found myself on my knees weeping. And when I finally got off of my knees, I remember wiping my tears away. And for the first time in my life, I felt free. And you ask yourself, how in the world are you facing 45 years of your life in prison and you feel free? I learned then and there that freedom has nothing to do with where you find yourself geographically or physically. It's a condition of the heart. It's a mindset that we need to be freed from. In fact, the Bible says it like this. He came to set the captives free. And I'm so glad that Jesus came to set this captive free because here's the deal. I was not only incarcerated physically. Right? I was incarcerated spiritually and I didn't realize that I needed to be set free. And you know the word of God tells us he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that day, guys listen to me, that day I was made free. And i never forget, man, I was sitting in that cell just trying to process all that was happening to me. But I know that God started doing a work in my heart even while I was in that cell. Before I even moved out, God was reconciling himself back to me. I was really being able to have access to God now. Direct access. I was placed in fellowship with the God that I walked away from. Praise the living God. And I tell you what, I made a decision. I'll never forget, I got transferred from Nassau County Correctional Facility, and I ended up in, uh, you know, um, Rikers Island. And I said, God, if you're real, I need you to speak to me. I need some clarity here because I don't know about this, this God thing, but I need you to speak to me. And I'll never forget... I walked out of my cell on Rikers Island Correctional Facility, and when I was on the top tier, I found a chair. I grabbed the chair, and I got on my knees, and I opened up the scripture, and I landed on a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, Those of you who stole, steal no more, but rather work with your hands so you could give to those who have need. Now, I know that that verse is not very relevant to many of you. I get that. But for me, it became a life verse. 
I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was speaking to my life. And I knew that there was a calling on my life. So I made it, I, you know, of the 45 years, I ended up doing a 12-year sentence. And of that 12-year sentence, I did 10 years and 8 months. And in that time, I gave God every fiber of my being, everything that was in me, I turned over to God. And it was the best decision that I had ever made in my life. Some years go by, and just before I come home, I said, God, I am okay with spending the rest of my life in prison because I'm free. If you want me to come home, I need a clear vision, and I need a clear mission on what you would have me to do. And I remember his voice so clearly. He didn't speak audibly to me. He spoke right into my spirit. He said, Danny, I want you to go back into the same kind of communities that you once helped destroy, and I want you to start to rebuild them. And I just knew that God was speaking to my life. I couldn't help but to think about Paul, Saul at that time, who was on his way to massacre, to get signatures to massacre Christians. If you know the story of Saul, who later became Paul, you would know that this individual was feared by so many. He was a known terrorist at that time. And Paul, he had the audacity to, you know, ha have this persona, this look about him that, that was righteous and holy. And, and in, in his mind, he stood before God as holy and righteous. But yet his heart was so far from God. He was involved with the culture of the Jewish tradition. Just like many of us are cultural Christians. And sometimes we feel like just because our family brought us up in the church that it is okay to just feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm a Christian, by the way. There's a problem with that picture. The problem with the picture is that when your heart is far from God, you have not yet been, been reconciled to God. Therefore, you are an enemy of God. Just as much as I was an enemy of God. Just as much as Paul was an enemy of God. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Your social status. If you are not in fellowship with God, I'm sorry to say you are an enemy. But I'm here to tell you that God provides a message of hope, a message of reconciliation. And I love, hallelujah, that God uses people like Paul to minister through the scriptures. You know the story of Paul. He had an encounter with God on his road to Damascus. The Bible tells us that he got knocked off of his high horse. And he finally is able to look up and he says, Lord, Lord. And Jesus essentially tells him to go back and build what he attempted to destroy, which was the church. And so it is the same Paul who writes in the chapter in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And, and in this letter, he's, he's addressing the church that is planted and saturated by, that is planted in a city that's saturated by utter ungodliness. He says this, 
after his, his experience with God, after he has already encountered God in such a real way, he's transformed in, this, in, in the renewing of his mind. He says this to the people there that are planted in the midst of sin. This means that anyone, not some of us, anyone who belongs to Christ, circle that word belongs, belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I could give testimony. Hallelujah. I could give testimony about the transforming work of Jesus Christ. Today I could say that I belong to Jesus. And it is only because of him that I stand before you. A man that has been transformed in my mind and in my heart. And I tell you what, I'm on a mission. It doesn't stop with me just loving Jesus. No, it's more than that. I want, you, I want you to follow me here on 2 Corinthians. It says in chapter 5, verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God. It is a gift of grace. It is a gift of mercy that God exercises toward us. Each and every one of us. Again, it doesn't matter where you come from. Every single one of us. And brought us back to himself through Christ. I want you to circle brought himself back. Or rather brought us back. When you think about it all started in the garden. And I think about the, the, the story that the Bible tells us about Adam and Eve. When uh, Eve and Adam, they both decided to do them. Right? And you know... Uh, that's a terminology that I use in the city life context where it means that I'm going to do whatever I want to do the way I want to do it, right? And so because of their decision to completely dis disobey God, they brought sin onto the world. And it is because of their decision we have all been plagued with a sin sickness that needed to be healed. I often liken it to a rash. What happens to a rash when you don't treat it? It starts to spread. And just like that, sin spread throughout all humanity. And Jesus, Jesus and Jesus alone was the only one that could provide the healing that we needed to have a right relationship with God. Hallelujah. Jesus, he stepped into our world. Jesus, he embraced our culture. Jesus, he walked the walk. He talked the talk. He ate the foods that the people ate. He dressed like the people. He, came, he became one with the people. He loved on them well. And it was because of his love that every single step that he took to Calvary, it was because of his love that he hung on the cross so that we could be in right fellowship with the Father. He created access by way of the cross 
when they crushed his head with a crown of thorns, when they spit on his face, when they took a cat of nine tails and smashed his back in with it and then pulled his skin off of his back. He did that because he loved us. It was because of his love that now we have an opportunity, each and every one of us, to be reconciled with God. And I know some of you are like, okay, I'm already reconciled with God. There's more. If, in fact, you are reconciled with God, I'm here to tell you, check out what the scripture says because it gets better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 says, and God has given me, nope, has given her, us, this task of reconciling people to him. That means every single person in this room. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sin against them. Thank you, Jesus. And he gave them this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Each and every one of us represent God. And we are all called into what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through each and every one of us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. We were formerly outside of the will of God. We were estranged from God. We were enemies of God. But this message of hope declares that we have access to the Father by way of what happened at the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. He's worthy. Forgive me if I get a little bit passionate up here. I, I just love Jesus, and, and that's what you get for um, bringing on a borderline Pentecostal. <laughs> I'm joking. I love my wife, Amanda Marquez. She's in the crowd right now. just want to acknowledge you. You're awesome, baby. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back. To God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made in right relationship with God through Christ. We are called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and call people back to God. It's not an option. Very clearly in the scripture, it tells us that we are ministers of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. So what do we do with that? I tell you what, one of the beautiful things that I love about Youth for Christ is that I get to meet young people on a daily basis. 
In fact, we got some City Life students here today that I'm so stinking proud of. Today, I had the privilege of being prayed over by them. And I kind of pushed them because I know that their level of comfort, especially in new settings, is not so high. But um, I'm just, I just want to say to you, thank you for stepping out in faith and laying hands and being bold and praying for me. I love that we got young people that are committed to seeing transformation happen in their own life despite some of the trials and the things that they experience on a regular basis. See, some of the work that I get to do, I get to show up in some of the, you know, hardest places in the city. Uh, I, I go to the parks. I go to some of the corners that students are, are selling drugs on. I go to the schools, and I get to engage students where they are. And I look them in the face, and I tell them I love them. And I tell them, listen, God loves you, and he got something powerful for you. Don't let what's going on around you affect your decision to allow God to revolutionize your heart. And I get to do this on a regular basis, and I'm so I'm honored that, you know, when I step into their world, you know, they, they, get, they begin to ask questions about God, and they, they get to hear about some of the programming that we have. And there's one student that I, I'd like to highlight today. His name is Christian. If you could put the first slide up uh, of the picture. Christian, I met uh, in my community. I've known him for about eight years now. And I never forget his brother one time. I just had come home from, from, from prison about six months, seven months in, I forget. Uh, and I'm trying to park a car. And his brother's like, dude, you can't park or what? And he's only like 14 years old, probably never even drove himself. And so I was trying to parallel park. If you know anything about my neighborhood, it's all parallel parking. And so anyway, so Christian and his brother, we built, built a pretty solid relationship. And over time, they started getting involved with City Life programming. And I got to bring Christian to a camp called KAA. And while we was at KAA, it's called Kids Across America. That's the name of the camp, KAA. Christian, I couldn't figure him out. There was something going on in his heart. He was crying, and during the message that was um, being presented, they were really graphic with the, with the message. They illustrated the gospel in such a way that they would have an individual who enacted Jesus, and they would literally punch him and kick him. And you would see blood, real blood. He must have signed a waiver or something because this was real life. They were beating this dude alive, and they... Hung him on a cross. Thank God they didn't put any nails in his arms. But they kind of like wrapped him um, with some, some uh, cloth of some sort. But anyway, I'm sitting next to Christian and I can't help but to notice that this young man, you know, who had not been going to church, that doesn't, didn't know very much about the gospel or anything like that, is now in this experience crying. And I'm like, Christian, what's going on? And he's like, nothing, nothing. I said, I need to know what's going on. Are you safe? Is everything okay? He's like, yeah. And he's continuing to cry. And I'm like, Christian, what is it? Is God dealing with your heart? He said, yeah. I said, you want to give your heart to Jesus right now? He said, yeah. Let's do this. Come on. And I remember bringing him to the foot of the cross. We came from the crowd that you see in the back, and 
I grabbed him by the shoulder, and we were both in tears. And I remember bringing him right to the foot of the cross. And we began to pray together. And Christian that day was reconciled with God. Christian that day became a Christian. And to this day, this young man is active in City Life programming. He couldn't make it here today, unfortunately, because he had to work. Um, I was hoping that he could come, but he's an amazing young man that I see so much potential in. The odds are against him. His brother just got locked up for stealing a car and ramming the car into a tree. And his co-defendants, the, the kids that were with him in the car, are shooting at the police on the near west side of Indianapolis. So these are the kinds of students that I'm dealing with on a regular basis. These are the kind of students that need to hear the message, come back to God. These are the kind of students that need Jesus to infiltrate their life and start doing or coming, rather, to a place of acknowledging their desperate need of a Savior. And I tell you what, it ain't going to happen by himself. It takes people like me and you to go out there and make a difference. Make no mistake about it. Our students desire that you are in relationship with them. Make no mistake about it. They need people who are in right relationship with God to step into their world to model who Jesus is for them. They want you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how, you know, um, shy you are. In fact, I think about Alyssa, my sister-in-law. She's a ministry leader with Central Indiana Youth for Christ. If you could go to the next slide, I want to show you uh, an image of Alyssa, but it's the next image. Let me speak to you about this one. There you go right there. So we'll go back to the other one in just a second. So Alyssa's the one in the middle, and she is hanging out with a group of students, a group of students that had never gone to church, that never experienced Jesus. But one day I found them on the street. I'm like, yo, let's go. You want to go to camp? Let's do it. Sign the paperwork. Let's go. And after camp, they say yes to Jesus, and they're like, what's next? Alyssa's next. And Alyssa steps into their world. She drives to pick them up and get them, and they eat together, and they fellowship together. And today, those students will get to know who Jesus is. Alyssa's very shy. If you know anything about Alyssa, she would even cringe at the idea that I'm even talking about her up here right now. But God uses even her shyness. And the kind of work that we get to do, I get to step into some of the schools in the community. And you see on this picture here, we got some of the students that are here, Kanisha and Javion. These young people, I met them at Washington High School. And I got to build a relationship with them. And today, two of those people would pray right over me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for students that God is drawing to himself. 
for his purpose and for his glory. So it don't matter what kind of, I have the kind of personality I could go into school, walk through the halls, and be super awkward in front of all those kids. I don't care. Like, I show up, I walked home one time, and Mendy was like, my wife was like, hey, how was your day? I was like, babe, I got to walk through the halls in the, in the school and meet the kids. She was like, dude, that's definitely a calling because I could never do anything like that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you might be right. Never thought about it. Um, but so I, I, I'm in the schools, and I get to spend time with them and engage students, even when they reject me, give me the, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate, the middle finger. Yeah, they do that kind of stuff. Let's be real and transparent. Sorry if that offends someone. But the, the truth is, is that these are the kind of things I encounter on a regular basis. But it could be my personality that goes in there, or it could be someone like my boy Dwight. Can you show me the picture of Dwight? See that man right there? This man right here, <laughs> I love this man right here. This dude is an introvert like you wouldn't believe. But you see him? I want you to look beyond him. Look at the smiles on those kids' faces. Those kids love him. They just met him. And they ask me, hey, is Dwight coming to pick me up? Is Dwight coming to pick me up? And just the other day, I learned that they got to go to a machine shop and be around all kinds of machines and, and learn uh, some of the work that, learn about some of the work that he does. So, yeah, Dwight is a little bit introverted. But look at him go. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do where you find yourself, how old you are, how introverted you are, how shy you are, these students desire you to be in their lives. And all you got to do is say, yes, Jesus. You say, yes, Jesus, in obedience to what God, the Bible, very clearly communicates. And that is that we are ambassadors, that we, each and every one of us, are ministers of reconciliation. God, you're awesome. And we're going to have the, the music team, if they could come up. God, we love you and we thank you so much for what you're doing. At Eagle Church and in the city. And I know that you have brought a word today that we could focus on and that we can act on. So God, I pray that you stir in our hearts a passion and a desire to go after it. You may be here right now. And it may be you who is far from God, who is estranged from God. You have an opportunity to come back to God. Today is the day of salvation. It may be a City Life student. It may be an Eagle family member. It may be your first time hearing a message like this. I'm here to tell you 
that Jesus loves you. He came at such a pivotal moment in history and died one of the most brutal deaths of all time. And he stretched his arms far and wide. And he said, this is how much I love you. Today, he says, come back to the Father. You may be here and you may know the Father. You may have a relationship with him. You're praying. You're reading the word. You're being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you have this nudge inside of you that you can't escape. And you may be feeling like, God, I feel like there's something more that I got to do. I'm here to tell you that there are opportunities for you. There are opportunities for you to come out of this place and minister out of this place, Zionsville, out of the bubble, with all due respect, out of this place to minister to people who desperately need to know Jesus, both adults and young people. If that's you, don't resist the calling that God is stirring in your heart. God, I lift up those that don't know you today. And I pray, God, that you would draw them by your power. That, God, those that are not in right fellowship with you, God, that you would just embrace them, love them, and allow them to feel your presence tangibly. that's you, just know that there are pastors in this church that are ready to pray with and for you. Come see them. God, I pray for those who have the stirring in their heart to live out exactly what your word tells them to live out. I pray for confidence. I pray for courage. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the audacity to stand up and go. Be obedient, God, to what you have called them to do. The purpose of our existence, God, is to worship you. And we worship you by telling others about your goodness and grace and mercy. Why would we hold back? So, God, I pray that you just give it to us, the ability to speak out if we're shy. God, if we're introverted, that you would help us to, you know, get out of our comfort zone. If we're extroverted, Lord, allow us to use our energy to impact so many people. If we are old, I pray that you allow our wisdom to be used to speak right into the hearts of the young people that we work with, God. We love you, God, and we're so grateful for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.